Hey everyone, my name is Randy Pratt and I am the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Master Books. Uh, and I am joined by our best-selling author, Ken Ham, who is the President, CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. Uh, thank you, Ken, for joining me today. It's a privilege to talk with you. Hi, it's great to be with you. It's awesome. Hey, uh, you've had a long history with Master Books. We've published 36 books. I believe we have 36 books in print by you. We sold hundreds of thousands of books. And um, it's a, that's a remarkable record to have with a publisher and an author to have that kind of relationship. In fact, uh, I think I heard from Tim Dudley, who's the president of Master Books, that around 3 million of the books that I've written over the years have actually been sold. So I'm just thrilled that they're out there having a big impact on people's lives. And, you know, one of the main books that I actually published, the first book that ever published, The Lie, which was published in 1987, is still in print. I mean, we've upgraded it and added to it, expanded it. Uh, but that particular book is still in print because lots of other books uh, since that time. Yeah, and it's still extremely relevant. That's what I love. Every time I give it to somebody, it's not like I'm giving them a 25-year-old book. It's extremely relevant, especially more even. And, and, and you know, one of the reasons that they're still relevant and especially relevant because the Bible doesn't change. <laughs> I remember when I was going through the lie to upgrade it and to expand it, and I was thinking, oh, I still use that argument, and I use that argument today, and I still use that argument. Oh, and I use that argument, and I thought, well, the basic arguments haven't changed. Oh, that's right, because the Bible hasn't changed. Yes. But of course, you know, culture has changed and we need to deal with that and enhance what we're saying and doing to be able to help people to be equipped to deal with where the culture's at. Right, right. Well, one of the things that we're going to do today is primarily talk about the new book, Where They, where they Stand. Uh, it's a new release, Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. And I got to tell you, I'm... I'm excited to talk about impact and legacy with you today. Uh, I remember, I have a large family, and I remember many years ago walking out of church and opening the van door, and there was a paper bag, and um, <laughs> there was a, it was a full of DVDs, and it was books by Ken Ham and Gary Parker, and I remember putting them in and just being amazed at the message, and every video I put in, it was like my faith grew. And that started a journey with us, with homeschooling, with continuing to work, and then the opportunity to work with Masterbooks and represent the product. And now to be able to see my kids and the faith that they have, to be able to see um, my grandchildren experience, you know, we've done mega, the mega conferences, creation colleges, we have the lifetime membership at the ARC and, and the Creation Museum. And every time we come in contact with Answers in Genesis, um, our faith grows. And so I can't thank you enough for the legacy and the impact that you've had on my family. And I can't wait to begin to market this book to make impact on other families. Well, Randy, that is uh, really encouraging. And that's what it's all about, you know, impacting lives uh, for the kingdom. And that's why we do what we do at Answers in Genesis, Christ Museum, the Ark Encounter. That's why I write uh, these particular books as well, because we want to challenge Christians uh, to be able to stand on the authority of the Word of God and to be equipped to defend the Christian faith and to raise up uh, godly offspring and to be able to go out and challenge non-Christians uh, to put their faith and trust in the Lord. So that's what it's all about. Well, I know that's not easy. <laughs> and you've, you've fought the battles, and I can't say thank you enough for that. Um, so this new project, 
Will they stand? I mean, you definitely have the credentials. You've been in ministry for a lot of years. You've been married to the same woman for 48 years. Is that right? Oh, yes. Uh, December uh, 2020 will be 48 years. That's awesome. You have five children and 18 grandchildren. Uh, that's right. Uh, lots, of, lots of grandkids. So you definitely have the credentials to write a book on parenting. And, and the proof is in the pudding. So tell us a little bit about... Um, this book, Will They Stand? And also, like, the format of this book is different than the other projects that you've written. Well, you know, for quite a number of years, as we've talked about the book of Genesis, Genesis is foundational to all doctrine. It's foundational to the doctrine of marriage. And it's obviously foundational to understanding the family. I mean, the family is the first and most fundamental of all human institutions which God ordained in Scripture. And the family is the educational unit that God uses to transmit that knowledge from one generation to the next and to the world around. You know, I think of Joshua crossing the Jordan River and then God told Joshua to tell the people to take 12 stones out of that normally fast flowing river and build a memorial. So when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? You'll not forget to tell them what God has done. There to be a memorial, a reminder to the coming generations of what God has done and for the world. In other words, to impact the world. Now that's a reminder that each one of us are to be involved in impacting the coming generations for the Lord Jesus Christ and impacting the world. That's what it means about being salt and light in this world. And I was really burdened, you know, as I traveled around, I started actually speaking on creation apologetics back in 1975, traveled extensively in the 80s in Australia and in America because I come over here on tour. And I was really dismayed at what I was seeing with the younger generations who were starting to doubt the word of God, even in their churches and starting to leave uh, the church. And we've done research on that. In fact, we published a book called Already Gone, uh, back in 2009, and that sold a lot of copies and impacted a lot of churches. The research we did on the younger generations that are leaving, particularly the millennials, walking away from the church, and very few of them, two-thirds of them, leaving the church by college age, very few of them returning. And so I had a real burden to do research on why that was happening. It was because they weren't being taught to defend their faith. They weren't being taught to stand on God's word beginning in Genesis as a foundation for their worldview. They, they were taught by many of their church leaders and others, you can believe in evolution, millions of years and so on. And we were losing them. And I developed over the years a talk on, well, what is, what is the family? And what does it mean uh, to have godly offspring? How do you raise up godly offspring? What does God's word say? Because that. The emphasis of our ministry has always been on the authority of the word of God. I mean, we're, we're not just a ministry about creation, evolution, or the age of the earth or fossils. I mean, we deal with those issues because they impact how people look at God's word. But primarily, we're a biblical authority ministry. What does the Bible say? The Bible is to be the foundation of all of our thinking. And so really, what this particular book, Will They Stand? How Will They Face? Uh, the giants, parenting kids to face the giants. I mean, by the giants, I mean, in the secular world, it's the, the giants of the secular media, the public education system, the secular universities. Uh, in the, and there's giants in the Christian world, Christian academics and theologians, and many of them, unfortunately, compromise God's word. How do we, how do we raise up the coming generations? Well, my emphasis is the same emphasis my parents applied to us when we were kids. 
What does God's word say about how to raise children? What does God's word say about training them, equipping them? And uh, so this is really about how to raise up godly offspring uh, in this secular world so that they will be equipped to face the giants of this world and won't be taken away from the word of God because we are losing many of the coming generations. Only 18% of millennials actually go to church. The gr greatest generation was like 52%. And Generation Z, which is the youngest generation now, twice as likely to be atheist as any previous generation. We are losing the coming generations from the church. They're walking away. And many parents over the years have said to me, what's happened to my kids, my grandkids? I have a burden to help parents understand and grandparents, how do you raise up godly offspring who will not be led astray? Do you think even with things that are going on today with COVID and everything, the habit of going to church, you know, sometimes religion helps keep us in the pattern when we don't have the relationship, but not having, um, not having the habit of going to church is even going to break that even more because people are moving away from that altogether. Well, I'm sure that uh, that is a problem. Uh, on the other hand, one of the interesting things is I believe there's been a failure of the modern church uh, in the Western world because when you look at what's happened, the church is not impacting the culture like it used to. We've lost the coming generations from the church. And actually, when I look at what's happening in the culture with the whole COVID situation and the shutdowns and what's going on, but but looking at the LGBT movement, looking at what's happening across uh, the nations, across the world, I really believe it's a consequence of what the church has not done because most of the church didn't help us to raise up generations to be equipped with answers. They didn't teach apologetics. Most churches didn't see the importance of Genesis 1 to 11 as the foundation for all of our thinking. It's the foundation for all of our doctrine, the foundation for marriage, for why we were closed, for the gospel, for, for understanding uh, if the abortion issue, the gender issue. It's a foundation for everything. If we don't teach our kids foundationally from the Bible, beginning in Genesis, and teach them a true Christian worldview and equip them with answers to be able to defend the Christian faith, we're going to continue to see them being lost from the church and walking away from the word of God, becoming secular in their thinking and then impacting the culture uh, in a negative way from a Christian perspective. Yeah. As from my time in pastoring, I know few topics could be as divisive as the creation topic and the biblical authority sometimes when you're standing in Genesis. And so um, I can I can understand and empathize with that plight a little bit, but I also know the importance that we have to pass forward our faith. What would you say to a young family when it comes to doing church? Um, what is the responsibility of the church in, in helping a child stand and, and develop their faith? And what is the responsibility of a parent? Well, first of all, I would say education begins in the home. That's the first thing we have to understand. You know, the state was never given responsibility uh, for the training of our children. Uh, parents were. Now, you know, the, the purpose of the church, as I understand the church, the body of believers worldwide, the body of Christ, is for the edification of believers. So to help build up believers, to help uh, add to their, to their thinking and their training, uh, to help them in that and so you know with our kids going to you know sunday schools or to church programs and so on the whole purpose of it is to help supplement what the parents are doing at home it's not to take the place of 
the home. See, when you look at it from a biblical perspective, and, and I go through this in the book, uh, Will They Stand? I talk about the roles of father and mother, the roles of parents. You see, God gave responsibility of, of education to the children and specifically to the father as the spiritual head of the house. Now, I just want to add a little caveat here. I recognize in a world today, there are single parent families and there's all sorts of problems and families where, where one parent might be a Christian and the other one not. And it creates all sorts of problems and issues, obviously. But I'm talking about what God intended uh, for the family originally. And, and for those other situations, I believe God gives them a special measure of grace to be able to deal with it. And that's where the church should come uh, alongside them and help them in a big way uh, for those that don't have that you know family unit as God intended it to be. But from what God intended the family to be originally, I mean, think about Malachi 2, where the prophet uh, was talking to the people uh, because admonishing them because, you know, you had uh, Israelite men that are uh, divorcing their wives and marrying pagans and so on. And so he's asking a question. He says, why does God make two one? Which is a reference back to the creation of Eve from Adam. You become one because you're one flesh. Genesis 2.24, which is actually the creation of marriage right there. Why did God make two one? And his answer was because he sought not just offspring, but godly offspring. And so one of the primary importances of the family of marriage, one of the primary importances is to produce not just offspring, but godly offspring, godly offspring who will influence the world for the, for the Lord Jesus Christ, who will marry godly offspring, who will produce godly offspring generation after generation after generation. How do you do that? You know, I, I like to read Psalm 78. The fathers to the children shall make known thy truth. Fathers bring your children up. Uh, fathers train your children so they will train their children. And so fathers as a spiritual head uh, to be involved in helping to transmit that knowledge of God to the next generation and so and to the world around, but to, to impact the next generation and produce godly offspring who produce godly offspring who produce godly offspring. And so many places in scripture, we're told fathers teach your children, fathers bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The fathers to the children shall make known uh, your truth. And I find in a lot of Christian homes, fathers have given up that responsibility. In fact, they really pushed it on uh, the mother as a as a soul on, the, on, on their wife, as the sole responsibility for that or on the church. In a lot of instances, I think father and mother have given that role to the church. And what, the kids go there for maybe an, an, an hour or two on Sundays, maybe an hour during the week. And where are they the rest of the time? Who's impacting? Impacting the rest of the time. In fact, it's good to do a sort of like maybe a family audit, you know, uh, write down this. Who spends most time with your children? Who impacts them for their worldview that they have? You know, what about their education? Do they go to public school? Well, then how many hours a week are they there and who's impacting them? Uh, mm -hmm. How much time do they spend at church? Uh, their Sunday school teacher, the pastor. Now, what about you as parents? And let's do an audit and see who really is impacting them, who's really training them. And then what does God's word say about that? Yeah, I, I love the quote, you get what you lead. And oftentimes when I see my children beginning to, to deviate a little bit, I have to look first at myself and and examine myself and i find a lot of times they're following my example and so. you know uh, randy i just saw a comment here it says we can do as much right as we can but kids can still turn from it 
even the most perfect parent has wayward children. Oh, I totally get that. I mean, we live in a sin-cursed universe. Everyone has to answer for their own sins. But that still doesn't negate the fact that we as parents need to spend the time and there's no perfect parent. So even though you train your children as best you can, you're not perfect. None of us are. But we need to do the best we can understanding that we can't take anything to heaven with us except our children, right? No material goods on this earth. You can't take them to heaven with you, but we can take our children. So we need to be doing the best we can to teach them. And even as part of that teaching, I mean, one of the things I think people have um, not taken heed of, I mean, 2 Corinthians 11, 3, the Apostle Paul, and this is God's word through the Apostle Paul, has a warning for us that the devil's going to use the same method on us as he did on Eve to get us to a position of not believing the things of God. And we've got to realize he's going to use that method on our children and our grandchildren. What's that method? What method did he use on Eve? Go back to Genesis 3. Did God really say? In other words, the devil is going to try to create doubt in regard to the word of God so that that doubt would lead to unbelief. We as parents should be saying, okay, so how is the devil doing that today? What, what, what means is he doing that by? And I believe, you know, what, what they're being taught in the public schools, uh, what they're being taught about evolution, about millions of years, there's all sorts of things that are being done today to attack the authority of God's word beginning in Genesis. And that's leading to doubt that leads to unbelief. So we need to be equipping them ready for this world we're living in. I mean, what are the giants out there today? Think of what's happening with battles over the gender issue and the marriage issue, the gay marriage issue, and then the racism issue and euthanasia and pedophilia and the abortion issue. We need to be preparing them to know what they believe, starting from God's word, why they believe what they do, equipping them with answers to all these attacks today. What about the teaching of evolution, millions of years and so on, to, that undermines the authority of God's word? So we need to be raising up children, not just to know spiritual and moral things, but equipped to be able to withstand the tornado of moral relativism that's ripping through this culture. Absolutely. Well, you make a good point. I mean, as you as some parents are going to read this, and I think maybe they just had the notion that their job is almost a babysitter. We, we change diapers, we feed them, we make sure they're safe, provided for, but we didn't know that it was our responsibility for the spiritual development. What would you say to the parent who's like going to read this and it's going to be new information, and maybe they're five, ten years, fifteen years in as a parent? What what would you what advice would you give to them? We well, you know it's interesting in Deuteronomy 6, you know, if you read about uh, the Israelites, what did God tell them? That they would train their children when they sit down, when they rise up, when they walk, when they lie down. In other words, in everything you do, 24 hours a day, your children are learning from you. They are looking at you and be, becoming like you. And we, we have to understand that when our children are born, you know, I, re I remember when our first child, Nathan, was born. And I went in to see him and he was there in the little crib, you know, and there he is looking up. And first thing we did was have, you know, intensive discussions about soteriology and eschatology and all that sort of thing. Well, of course, <laughs> of course, we know that doesn't happen. Right. One of the things that hit me, you know, what, you know, what the Bible tells us. God's word tells us in Romans one that it's evident to all that God created. And in Romans 2, he tells us the law is written in our hearts, so we have a conscience, so we know what's, what's right and what's wrong. But 
did our son when he was born know about jesus dying on the cross no did he know about adam and eve no did he know about the fall no did he know about the sacrificial system god set up in genesis uh, to point to the coming messiah and the promise of the messiah in genesis no did he know about noah and the flood or the tower of babel no our job as parents is to put that salt of biblical truth into them so that they are filled with salt. See, here's a really important point, and I do this in detail in the book, uh, and I talk about the salt issue because there are many parents that have said to me over the years, you know, because for us as Christians, uh, we have always actually decided for our kids to go to Christian school or to homeschool. Um, my, my wife homeschooled uh, three of our kids totally, actually, and we have a, a daughter that actually founded a Christian school to teach a true biblical worldview. But we're very much involved in education. And uh, as, as we have done that, uh, we, we have recognized the importance of training children up to be mature and equipped in this world. But we received a lot of opposition from parents in the church who would say to us, your kids need to be in the public school to witness to the other kids. Now, I'm not telling someone where they should or should not send their children. That's between them and the Lord. And I know people have all sorts of different circumstances financially and uh, other things. But I mean, at the very, very least, one of the things we should be trying to do is within the circumstances we're in, to the best of the ability we have to do whatever we can based on God's word to Put that salt in our children so that they can be the salt of the earth. Mark 9.50 says, have salt in yourselves. Here's a point. You can't be salt till you have it. And right. then in Matthew 5.13, we also read, you know, if the salt's contaminated, it's no longer good for anything. Contamination destroys. So one of the things we recognized as parents based on God's word, and it's the way, you know, my parents brought us up based on God's word, uh, it, and that is, to put that salt in as much as we can, and I have diagrams in the book showing all this, to fill them with biblical salt as uncontaminated as possible. Now, we're not perfect, so there's not going to be no contamination, but as uncontaminated as possible so that then they will be ready to go out into the world to be salt. You can't just throw them to the world and say they're going to be salt because what happens is the education system, the public schools have become very, very anti-God. Um, they've become very atheistic. The, the younger generations are growing up in a much more atheistic anti-God system than the older generations, and they're filling those kids with contamination, and that's where they're spending most of their time, and parents haven't really put that uh, salt of biblical truth in them. And the, and the other thing is, in preparing them for this world, it's not just a matter of you know the, the biblical truth and understanding God's word and so on, but 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give answers. And when I grew up, we often lived in country towns where there was a liberal pastor at the church, maybe one church, two churches, and he would teach some of that liberal theology from the pulpit. You know, a little boy took it his loaves and fishes. Everyone else did the same. It was just, you know, setting an example. And my father would go up and say, hey, here's what the Bible says. Haven't you read? It is written. And so... My father would challenge the pastor. And over the years, what my father would do, he recognized the effect of liberal theology on these pastors and how that then impacted the congregation and people. So he was researching as a teacher 
he wasn't a theologian. He was a teacher, but he would research what the theologians were teaching, these liberal theologians. Then he would give us the answers so that we would be equipped so we wouldn't be led astray when we heard these things. And that's what we should be doing today. See, my father was really teaching us apologetics and teaching us doctrine and a Christian worldview, starting with the Bible, beginning in Genesis. And I'm saying that's what we should be doing today. We should be saying, what are the attacks on God's word today that we're seeing from the culture and within even you know much of the church? And then let's raise up children to have the answers to these and let's raise them up grounded on the Bible so they know what they believe, why they believe what they do. They're equipped with answers to defend the faith and pray that, that they'll be able to withstand this tornado of moral relativism ripping around us. And if we've done the best we can, you know, then obviously, you know, each of them have to answer for their own sins. But I, we praise the Lord that all five of our kids love the Lord. The four that are married uh, are raising up uh, offspring to, as we did to stand on the authority of the word of God, passing that spiritual legacy on generation after generation. That's what we want to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I I love um, the tone of this book. I think it's not a biography by any means, but it certainly is written more from a journal um, type. I mean, there's a lot of good information, how to information, but uh, one of the things that you talk about is your dad a lot in this. And you you mentioned that his nickname in the church was Merv the Stirrer, which um, as when I pastored, uh, I had love-hate relationships sometime with Stirrers. Um, and, but I, I, I love that because I think it's good to be able to to accept a challenge and to be able to defend your faith either way. What do you think your dad's response would be if he were here today and could see the ministry, the ark? I mean, the ark is incredible. It's almost a spiritual experience to be there and just imagine what it was like um, and, and to see the impact of the ministry that the Lord has used you with. I think he would be absolutely amazed, you know, because his legacy and the legacy of my mother uh, are impacting millions of people. I mean, the ministry of Answers in Genesis directly from what we have been able to ascertain directly impacts 30 million people a year, indirectly tens of millions more. And, you know, we have these two uh, leading Christian themed attractions in the world that people come from all over the world to the Ark Encounter, the life-size Noah's Ark and all the exhibits there and all the other things that go with that and the Creation Museum, the walk through the Bible and all the other exhibits and theaters we have impacting people day after day after day. I think my mother, father would be just thrilled and amazed to see that his stand on the authority of the word of God and just in little country churches and transferred around the state of Queensland and bringing up uh, the six children that they have, but seeing that legacy passed on, not just to the next generation, but to subsequent generations and impacting the world, uh, which is what it's all about. And it's a reminder that even as, as one parent, I don't think my mother or father would have ever even thought of the possibility of, you know, leading Christian themed attractions like this and the ministry of answers and Genesis. They just wanted to be faithful in raising up children uh, to the best of their ability who would love the Lord and be saved. I mean, that's, that's what my mother always said to us and, and my father, look, the most important thing is that you're saved. The most important thing, you know, the Lord, they just want to be faithful in raising up their children to love the Lord. And in doing that, they're now impacting millions of people. Think of that from a perspective of a parent. Just one 
one family where you have a mother and father committed to the word of God and raising up the next generation, one of them could become the next Martin Luther. We need Martin Luther's today to call the church back to the authority of the word of God. Or one of them could be the next Moody or the or the next, you know, John Wesley or or Whitfield or whatever. Uh, and, and remember that and, and how important that that is. And, you know, my father was, was called a stirrer because he, you know, you can have, you know, as, as someone who was pastored in a church, you know, you can have, uh, uh, you can have stirrers who do things for good and stirrers who do things for bad. Yes. Uh, I, my father reminded me of Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah had that righteous anger. When Nehemiah saw their injustices, things being done wrong, it says he was angry. And what that really uh, meant was it was a righteous anger. Somebody needs to do something about this. We need to rebuild this wall. You know, we need to get uh, rid of these people in the temple who are defiling things here. And we need to do something about these injustices and so on. My father was like that. He would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, we, we, we've, we've got some of these materials or Sunday school material or a Bible study book that's compromising God's word in Genesis. And, and we've got to warn people about this. And, and we've got to make sure that we stand on God's word. And, 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 and pastor, you know, if, if teachers are going to bear a stricter judgment, if you compromise God's word, you, you know, if you, you're teaching something here that's incorrect, we, you get, we're going to answer to that and it's going to impact the people. It's going to impact our children and, and we, we want to impact them for what's right. So he was a stirrer in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, as somebody who gets to um, take your books to market, I know that you have your critics and, and those who oppose the, the ministry that you've had. And, and I really, though, appreciated in the, in the book that Mally, your wife, had some voice, that she got to have a chapter added to this. Um, building the ministry, going through the battles that you've gone through, taking the stand you do, she has to be a, a remarkable person. And, and you were, had to have been on the road, like, a lot to do what you've done. What, um, how did you make that work? Like, how, how did you guys do that as a couple? And, and, and again, I would say she has to be a remarkable person. Well, you know, um, my wife loves being a wife. She loves being a mother. She loves being a grandmother. She loves that. Uh, and she's not a speaker and she gets very embarrassed to speak, you know, in, in, in front of people. And she's very shy actually. So I had one of our writers, uh, to sit down with her and just ask her a lot of questions and then wrote this chapter, quoting her uh, all the way through this chapter. And one of the things you'll see my wife say over and over again, this is not just her husband's ministry. This is our ministry. God called us together. You know, in Scripture, when, it took, when we read about marriage, you know, what does it say in Genesis 2.24? It says, you become one because you're one flesh. And we are one together. And so we made the commitment together in 1979 when I would leave school teaching uh, full-time into a creation apologetics ministry. We made the commitment in 1977 together that we would start a ministry in our house to get materials into people's hands to, to help equip parents to defend the Christian faith against the pagan religion of evolution. And so we've always done it together as one. And she's always seen that. And so when I made that decision, we made that decision together, actually reading Matthew 6 
1979 and in October 1979 I left school teaching went full-time you know and stepping out in faith we knew we had no guarantee of money we had no salary or anything like that we had people who said they would support us but we both together did that together and she has never ever questioned the ministry that I'm in I, I think that's had a big impact on the kids as I've been away she's seen uh, the kids have seen a mother who has supported uh, their father a million percent never questioned him being in this ministry and always taught them how important it is and how important it is uh, to reach uh, people to teach them about the Lord Jesus and you know over the years God has brought all sorts of famous people into our home to stay with us and to meet our kids and people some people might uh, remember some of these names like Dr. Dwayne Gish and you know, Dr. Gary Parker, Dr. John Wickham, Dr. John Wickham and Dr. Henry Morris Sr. co-authored uh, The Genesis Flood and uh, Dr. Clifford Wilson from Australia, a famous archaeologist. They met all these sorts of people who they saw were Christian academics and yet loved God, loved the Lord Jesus and, and believed his word right from the very beginning. That had a big impact on them. Uh, as well but you know I've seen over the years and uh, I'm sure you've probably seen this where I think that, that there's Christian leaders uh, pastors others whose ministry has been greatly affected because their wives didn't support them a hundred percent and even were jealous of their ministry but Mally has always always been totally supportive of what I'm doing never questioned it supported a million percent and what an impact on the kids and you know, my mother always taught us, God first, others second, yourselves last. And I can tell you, my wife, Mally, that's her uh, as well. She's always shown that to the kids and she's acted it out uh, all, all through the years. And she's taught them as well, God first, others second, yourselves last. And you know, the thrilling thing is after that chapter uh, in the book that uh, details what she said, uh, to one of our writers who, who quoted her and and sort of showed her heart, her real heart in all this. Then mm -hmm. our eldest daughter Renee has a chapter. Yes, she, she yeah. founded our Christian school, Twelve Stones Christian Academy, here in uh, Northern Kentucky, out of a burden that what what about parents who can't homeschool for one reason or other, or don't want to, or don't feel that they they can? Uh, but can we have a Christian school that teaches a Christian worldview? And she founded that and if you go to tschristianacademy.org and you read the philosophy of education there you, you will see there uh, a, a young lady I mean she's married with uh, four children and four of our grandchildren but who understands Christian worldview and understands apologetics uh, in other words reflecting the training she received uh, in our home yeah, but having their voice and the way that you wrote this, it's not written in a, in a you know, finger pointing, you need to do this. I feel like it's much more of a, um, is if just like this, where we're sitting and talking and I'm able to gain from your input and your experience and advice. So I appreciate that. And so as we wrap this up, I have one question for you that um, I've been dying to ask you. And that is, if you could go back 45 years and give the young Ken Ham, some advice um, as a dad, especially, what would that be? Well, that's an interesting question because I'm going to answer it two ways for you, okay? Uh, the first is 
if we, if I was to go back now, uh, 40 odd years, uh, and give me advice, let me just say, because of all the circumstances that the Lord has taken us through, Red Sea events, where we've come to the edge of the Red Sea and the Egyptians are behind us, and if the Lord doesn't open up the waters, I mean, what's going to happen? And in the ministry of Answers and Genesis with finances and other things and the construction of the museum and, and the Ark Encounter, I mean, he's he's taught us how to step out in faith and he's taught us to trust him. And I've learned a lot of things over the years that I wish I could go back and sort of fix and not do this and change that. But you know what? But he took us through all those years, like the Israelites wandering, you know, you know, conquering the promised land. They had to conquer uh, Jericho and then Ai and the giants. And they learned through all of that and learned to trust, trust God and learned... Um, all sorts of uh, things about uh, about humanity, about who they are. And so you wouldn't want to go back and change all that as much as you would want to. Uh, looking back on it, you wouldn't want to because then you wouldn't have learned those lessons, right? Yes. So a lot of the lessons that we've learned over the years, uh, we praise the Lord that he took us through those circumstances, even though there were valleys, hills, but valleys, mountaintops at times, but lots of valleys, uh, even with uh, our own children. But I think if if I was to go back now I and, and talk to young Kenham about raising children, I'd be more adamant than ever that parents, you are responsible for the training of your children. Spend as much time as you can with them at home, training them, because you can't trust the church to do that. And many of the churches have compromised God's word. Now, there's some great churches out there, some great Bible teaching pastors, but they're a minority. And you can't trust the church. Uh, you can't trust the secular education system. It, it's it's becoming more and more anti-Christian. It's going to drag your kids away from the Lord. And if you haven't put the time into them uh, from when they're young, right from when they're young, don't don't lose that time right from when they're born. I, I explain that in the book using Vegemite. You know, Australians love Vegemite, and mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a black paste that's very salty. It's made from the leftover sludge from breweries, uh, and it's turned into a paste you put on toast and have, you know, butter and or a cracker with butter. But we love Vegemite because our parents used to put that Vegemite into our mouths at a, at a very young age and taught us to acquire a taste for Vegemite. So when we grew up, we already had that taste for Vegemite. It's very hard for Americans who have never grown up on Vegemite to acquire a taste later in life. They will, they will uh, revolt against it, uh, just as I revolt against pickles, because I was never taught to acquire a taste for pickles. I think they were revolting things. But apparently Americans love them because they don't know how bad they taste, because right from a young age, they've tasted them, right? right. But, but, you know, the application to Scripture you know, like Timothy, Timothy from a child, you have known the scriptures. And so make sure that you start putting that salt in as uncontaminated as possible uh, right from when you're young. Because I have seen over the years, I've seen so many parents who said to me, why have my children left church? Why have my grandchildren have nothing more to do with church? And in a lot of instances, it's been a lack of training uh, in the early years and a lack of fathers taking on their God-given uh, responsibility. And, you know, so, you know, for us uh, as as a family, 
uh, I just praise the Lord for, for a godly wife who stood be, beside me to help us in raising up uh, those children. Uh, we got to be reminded, though, they're all sinners. They're all different. And, you know, as we pour that salt in, it pours out of holes as well. Um, but, you know, there are many times when, when we have um, even questioned because we've had you know, come to those Red Sea moments and wonder what God was doing and, you know, learning to even trust God more, even in this COVID-19 situation and look at what's happening in politics. It's easy to say everything is a mess. It's terrible. It's what's going on here. But you know what? No matter what happens out there, no one can outthink God. No one can outdo God. He's in total control. And I, I think even to be told, you know, trust trust God even more than what what uh, you you think you can. I mean, we are humans, and we're fallible. But I think you know, if I was to go back now, the advice would be: you can you can really trust God. Put your trust in Him. He's the He's the infinite Creator God. He knows everything. He's in control of everything. You can totally trust Him. Maybe even bigger things could have happened if we stepped out of faith even more. Even then, we look at 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 uh, what God has done is amazing, uh, but He has done it. You know, we haven't. He's just used us in particular ways. But I don't think any of us trust Him enough, and I think all of us have have lacked that. And I think that's one of those things over the years uh, that that I have learned. Um, but I just want to encourage parents: train your kids right from when they're born. Put that salt in them. Hey, there's there's nothing more important than doing that because it's their eternity that's at stake. Remember, every every human being conceived in a mother's womb is a human being that is going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And you can say forever and ever, forever and ever in heaven or hell. Is there any greater um, greater responsibility for us as Christians than to do our best? to train up our children in the best possible way we can according to God's methods. And we know that that's no guarantee. We understand that. We're all sinners. We live in a sin-cursed universe. But there's no greater responsibility than to do the best for our children and pray to see them saved, one to the Lord Jesus, forever. Amen. Well, I got to say, as a father, I appreciate your advice. I appreciate you taking the time to write this project and and to work with us to publish it it is a privilege to also be able to work to get it out into the fields uh as well and so i thank you for allowing us the privilege of publishing and working with us um you are the real deal and and props to you and we appreciate very much the ministry and randy i just want to say you know you mentioned something before and i thought yeah that's me the way i write books is conversational style it's like you and i having a conversation and yes. there's, there's a lot of personal information in here, stuff that I normally don't talk about, but in regard to our family. Um, but it's and it's sort of part personal test me how the whole ministry came about as well, all interwoven with the biblical principles on raising children. So it really is a unique book. And it's it's really it was an easy read. It wasn't it wasn't difficult. You know, sometimes you read um, books that are a little harder when you're talking about apologetics. This was just very easy to apply, good information, and uh, really appreciated the tone. And yeah, I can't. I would encourage every parent to be to pick this up if you know a family or your your children. This is an awesome gift 
for your sons and daughters and um, and families that could use help just raising their children up to stand against giants that we never even imagined standing against in this culture. So, Ken, thank you so much for, for allowing me this opportunity to interview you. And again, for the privilege of being able to publish this book and take it out to the market. Uh, we sincerely appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Randy. Awesome. God bless everybody. Thank you for your time. And be sure to pick up a copy of uh, Will They Stand? Appreciate it.